Hello and welcome to Rory, Rory and Dara's Research and, and Development. I'm Rory. And I'm Dara. And we'd like to welcome you to the show. Over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking up and researching some interesting topics. Ooh. And hopefully we're going to develop as people alongside you, our listeners. <laughs> Thus, the premise of the show, Research and Development. Booyakasha. So Dara, why were we listening to Happy by Will Ferrell? Wait. Ferrell? <laughs> 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 oh my god. Happy by Will Ferrell. Dara, why were we listening to Pharrell Williams' uh, Happy? Because it caused mass hysteria. <laughs> it did. It made us all very happy. It did. Very too happy. <laughs> Oh, gosh. 
But that's the topic you're going to take us on today in today's show. You're going to start off with Mass Hysteria. Mass Hysteria. And that's I'll it. take us on the story of Billy the Kid later on the show. Brilliant. But we're going to start off with Mass Hysteria. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Mass Hysteria? So, firstly, what I'd like to do is I'd like to define what Mass Hysteria is. You're a bit of a dictionary now. <laughs> I am the Collins, the Kelly Dictionary. <laughs> the Kelly Dictionary, say. there we go. But basically, Mass Hysteria is when a large group of people get so collectively upset by a sort of threatening delusion, whether it's real or imaginary, that it essentially takes them over. Oh, okay. So it can take full control of both their emotions and their behaviour. And in a weird way, when I was researching this topic, I found it both horrifying and quite comical. <laughs> because there's a lot of instances here that funny things did happen. And what these people were doing was very, very strange. Strange, okay. really funny. <laughs> so like kind of dark humour. It's, it's very dark. Not a dark humour in this, <laughs> this week's section. Oh, gosh. So if, you're, if you'd like to compare it to maybe an Alfred Hitchcock movie, maybe, you know, The Birds. Okay. Have you ever heard of that yes. movie? So yes. all about kind of mass hysteria, stuff like that. Mm. But um, a lot of these sort of incidents kind of mirror and kind of mimic animal behaviours. So essentially what's happening is humans are mimicking animals, which is utterly delusional. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's not even for a joke. It's because they literally can't stop. Oh. They can't stop themselves. So the first story I'd like to talk about is the infamous mewing nuns. <laughs> Mewing nuns. So, if you can imagine this, Rory, you're in church on a Sunday. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and the priest or whoever it might be or the nun comes mm. up and, you know, they're doing the, the collections. The okay. offertory. Yes. I get the coins out of my You get the now. coins yeah. out. And when someone passes you the basket, you put the coins in and you give it to the nun and the priest. And instead of saying, thank you, she goes, meow. <laughs> that, that would take me off. That would scare catching. you. That would scare the holy out of you. <laughs> yeah. It would, literally. <laughs> but anyways, so what happened is essentially during the Middle Ages in France, a nun out of nowhere began inexplicably mewing like a cat. Okay? What? So if I think if you started mewing like a cat here, I wouldn't imitate you. No. But all the other nuns must have thought it was great fun because they all started mewing. Until, or meowing, until the <laughs> entire convent was making kitty noises for several hours. Oh, oh okay? that's, that's horrible. And this is crazy. It actually got so out of hand that the village had to call in the soldiers who threatened to whip the nuns oh if they didn't God. stop. Okay? And this is really strange. Back then, it was thought that animals like cats and dogs, but especially cats, because, you know, the black cat, witchcraft, stuff like that. Oh, yes. That they had the power to possess people. Oh. So everyone in the village thought that these nuns were possessed by cats. cats. Okay, okay. Very strange. That is very strange. Very strange. That is very strange. And and did they find out why they decided? No idea. It, mass, just no mass, mass hysteria. hysteria. Oh, my gosh. This weird <laughs> phenomenon of mass hysteria. It's something that you do as, like, 
a child as a toddler or something yeah. like that. You remember like when you'd make up a fake language or something like that and you'd spend the entire day talking with like, yeah. your friends and everything like that in that fake language. It's like that, but adults just taking it on. And taking it on. Going and, to the extreme. And they can't stop, basically. The next thing I'd like to talk about is the dancing plague oh. of 1518. Now, you're fond of an old boogie yourself. Oh, you know, <laughs> got that dance fever. Now, but do you love <laughs> dance so much that you do it for days on end without stopping? Oh. Or oh, even man. until death? <laughs> no way. No way. No way is right. So basically what happened is... This woman, an ordinary woman, mm. named Miss Trophia. Trophia. She was living in Strasbourg at the time. Okay. In France. And she, out of nowhere, began dancing in the streets. For whatever reason, she could have been happy, or she could have been sad, but she was dancing anyway. dancing, driving. <laughs> dancing away. And she was dancing for multiple days herself, not able to stop, in the streets by herself. Just, just by yourself. Yeah, so I, I've done busking on the streets, Irish <laughs> yes. dancing. Yes. Not for days on end. <laughs> but I do it because I like it, but also it's a way to make a quick quid. Mm, yes. But I wouldn't do it for days on end. That's ridiculous. Especially not by myself, because I'd look <laughs> totally out of place. <laughs> but I think it was her aim to get others involved and to trap them. Because on the seventh day... 34 others joined in. What? So a week, no one, a no week, one joins week, in. No one joined in, and then on the seventh day, 34 others joined oh in. Oh my okay? gosh. By the end of the month, by the end of the month, how many? I don't know. Over 400 people. 400 <laughs> were people. Were dancing with Miss Trophia. The sort of lord of the dance. <laughs> That's very good. But this is the really sad bit. Oh. They never rested. They never took a break, and as many as 15 died per day per due to heart attack, oh. stroke, or just utter exhaustion. They literally dance themselves they to dance the grave. They dance themselves to the grave. That's the worst flash mob ending <laughs> The worst history. flash mob. Like, could you imagine, if, if we're sitting down here now, Rory, in my house, and we're, look, we're looking out. Yes. Looking out at a beautiful view, and someone starts dancing there for seven days. And on the seventh day, we start dancing. Oh, God. And we go down to the next house, and we dance in front of that. And it's a, a cascading effect. I don't like that one no, bit. No, not at all. I'm no. not sure which is worse, worse if we started meowing or dancing. Yeah. <laughs> or a combination of both. Oh, God. That would be terrifying. It would. Oh, my. That's something, that's something for next year's Halloween special. <laughs> next year's Halloween special. <laughs> well, well, oh, my God. Crazy. That is mental. Crazy. And then some of the instances are strange, but they're probably not as strange as the ones I've spoken about. So mm. there was a writing tremor epidemic. Okay. Which is very strange. Yes. Because some people do have a tendency to do it, but you wouldn't think it would be contagious in any way. Yes. But this is basically what happened. So this hysteria is broken out. Numerous times, believe it or not. Oh, wow. So more than once. Yeah, more than once. Okay, okay. But the sort of first breakout of this hysteria happened in a village called Gross Tins. Oh. I don't know how I pronounced that, <laughs> but I think I did a great job. <laughs> yes. So basically what happened was a 10-year-old schoolgirl's hand just started trembling. In class, she had no sort of um, 
occurrences happening before this. Okay. And like she never did it before. She didn't have a habit, but it just started happening. And by the end of the class, the tremor had transferred to everyone else in the class. Oh my gosh. And the teacher was really kind of bamboozled by this. And she kind of, she was kind of taken aback as well. You know, was it something in the lessons? Is there sort of a, was it one of the cleaning agents used in, in school at the time? Yes. You know, is it actual biological and mm. not um, Mental, psychological, yeah, yeah. really? But this is the bit where it gets really strange. So when all the other kids went into um, their later classes for the day, they still had the tremor. Okay. And it spread to everyone, other kid in that class. So what happened was the whole school in Basel, Switzerland, had the tremor for the the rest of the day, and then it ceased. It ceased. So just stopped. Just stopped. Then twelve years later, guess what happened? No way. Twenty-seven more kids suffered from the tremors because they heard about the story of the one that happened twelve years ago. So what happened was the kids were in class and the teacher brought it up. I don't know why. Why would you bring why something would you up? Bring like it up? Scared That's students, really yeah. scary. Jeez. Twelve years ago there was a tremor epidemic. No one knows what happened. <laughs> and kids just like you, someone sitting right in that desk, was affected. What happens? Twenty seven of the kids get it again. Oh really my strange. God. I hope that teacher got fired because Same. <laughs> Because she's the reason the second yeah. <laughs> the second time it happened. <laughs> but that's also strange. That seems like um almost an outlier in the, the three that you said because those are those were children this time. Those were children. So you'd kind of expect something like this to affect children more because they seem more Im- impressionable in a way. They I, do. I, yeah, they but, do. But that is strange that you know, two out of the three were fully grown adults. Yeah. And then that third one was children. And the strange thing about that was the children could fit, like, you know, finish and didn't continue on this tremor whilst the adults couldn't after a day, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. That that's is very thing. strange. That's very strange. Now, Rory, I'm going to tell you a joke. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you call a man who can't stand? I don't know. Neil. <laughs> right, you're laughing like now. You're, like la- you're laughing now. And you're probably <laughs> wondering, why did I tell you a joke? This is why I'm going to talk about the Tanganyika <laughs> laughter epidemic of 1962. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're still laughing. I'm you might still have giggling. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, myself. <laughs> Tanganyika, as you might know, it's now Tanzania. Okay. In Africa. And what's sort of strange about this um, incident of mass hysteria is it's um, children again. Okay. But... It's not dancing, it's not sort of writing, it's not meowing, it's laughter. 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 So I would probably think you'd have to find something funny to laugh. So I think if we could identify whoever (laughs) told them a joke or whatever that got these people to laugh for several days on end, they should be live at the Apollo. Oh my goodness. On a Saturday night, because they do seriously (laughs) well. They'd be the greatest comedian ever. <laughs> they would. They would. But basically what happened was uh, three girls in in this uh, village in Tanzania um, began laughing out of control for no reason okay. at a, a boarding school. 
And the strange thing was, their joy was infectious. You'd think, in, a normal, in normal circumstances, that's great, but... No, this is way too overboard, <laughs> way too overboard. So, hours later, 95 of the 159 pupils joined in, oh. joined in on the fun, and they just couldn't stop laughing, okay? Some of them stopped laughing after maybe one or two days, but others took as long as 16 days. 16 days. 16 days. Of continuous laughter. Continuous laughter. The abs on those people. The abs on those people must be amazing. Amazing. But if you think about it, I'll kind of draw parallels between this and the coronavirus. Because if you think about it, what happens if there's a case in a school, you close down the class and then mm. you close down the school if it spreads through numerous classes. Yes. They have to do the same thing here. With the school? They have to close down not just the school, but the entire village because it had spread through the village oh my because God. it was spreading to neighbouring villages. So they had to literally quarantine people to stop them from laughing and spreading it. Schweppes, that's mental. Very strange. That is mental. Very strange. So, months later, after everything being stopped, uh, the villagers were relatively at peace. They didn't really find anything funny for... <laughs> they were all, all laughed out. All, all, all laughed out of it. But then, out of nowhere, another laughter epidemic <laughs> came along. Another outbreak, and it affected 217 people. Gee whiz, that... that out meant? of nowhere. Like, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So it's very strange to hear about a, what I use the word condition, but sort of a human emotion like laughter, mm. that you'd actually have to quarantine people, yeah. that they're doing it too much and that it's a danger. But that's the first example I can, I can kind of relate to, I can kind of understand. Because you know when someone tells like a really good joke and then you're both laughing, like, and you start... And both of you are laughing, and you look at the other person, and then you laugh even more, and then the other person looks at you, and they laugh even more. Yeah. I can kind of understand that, but then it eventually dies down it because does. You, you get tired almost. You get you tired, worn out. and then your mind thinks of the joke, and you're like, actually, man who can't stand Neil is really that funny. Like, is it really that funny? Thank you, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your mind then analyzes the joke, and you're like, ah, actually. Mm. Exactly. Maybe it's not as funny as I originally thought it was. Mm. Whereas these people just thought that this, whatever happened, was utterly hilarious. And and did did they ever, were any of them ever interviewed afterwards? Did they ever say what was so funny? or? They, as far as I know from my research, when people have spoken to them about it, they're kind of reluctant to talk about it. Because I think oh. in that part of culture, some of them believe it to be a curse. Which actually okay. leads nicely on to my next. Ah. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> no worries. But um, yeah, in many cultures, instances of mass hysteria, because it's so hard to explain, mm. can only be attributed to sort of black magic or dark magic, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yes. But thanks for bringing up the thing about curses. Because <laughs> this brings me on to my next story, which is the Mount Pleasant hexing incident. Oh. So curses. Yes, yes. Another school. Oh, God. More kids involved. Oh, God. All these schools. <laughs> All these schools involved. What's going on in our education system? 
Oh God, you've got me going again. Yeah, there we go. So this happened in 1976, so a bit closer to where we are now. 2020, if you're listening in from the future or the past, who knows, time travel could be invented. But anyways, so... (laughs) (laughs) This happened to 15 students at a school in Mount Pleasant in Mississippi. Okay. I won't get you to spell Mississippi because it gets me every time. (laughs) But anyways, they fell to the ground and started writhing in pain for no reason. In pain? Yeah, in pain. So they were literally shrieking in pain. So it's far from the laughter epidemic. Yeah, that, that's so, the exact opposite. So if, if that happened in college or school or something, I would immediately think it's some sort of, I don't know, a chemical agent or something like some that. bug that or something. Something yeah. you could at, attribute or attribute to a physical factor. Okay. But the funny thing is, there was no physical factor involved here. Originally, the police and the school officials that investigated the incident thought it was drugs, that these kids had taken some sort of stimulant and fell to the floor and had a bad trip or reaction to it. That, that's a pretty... Which is a pretty yeah. plausible mm. thing. But when they did tests on them after, um, there was no evidence. Gosh. At all. So the school believed, or rumours in the school started spreading, that there was some sort of curse placed on the kids. And what actually happened is it's really weird. About one third of the students in the school experienced these sort of incidents where they fell to the floor and started writhing. And that the parents believed that they were hexed or cursed. So what I believe happened was one of the kids told the story to the next. Did you hear there's a curse going around the school? And when it gets in your mind like that, really in depth it actually took physical control of them and they fell to the floor so they like convinced themselves they convinced themselves that, that there was a curse oh. and then mimicked the symptoms that is mad and they probably full-heartedly believed you know yeah. it wasn't like they were just pussing it on they, yeah. they believed that they were cursed that is insane very strange isn't it that is very strange how's your Portuguese Rory not very good there all I can say <laughs> Is obrigado, which means thank you, <laughs> thank you in Portuguese. Which brings me nicely on to my next story. Oh, brilliantly. The strawberries with sugar virus. Oh. What is it? No one knows. I only know because I researched it. <laughs> you're you're the, the sole expert on Exactly, this. <laughs> exactly. Now, in 2006, the, um, a Portuguese teen soap opera oh. called Morangos com Açúcar. No idea how I pronounce it. <laughs> I'm going to say you pronounced it perfect. I think I did. I think <laughs> I did. Um, they aired an episode in which the characters were affected or afflicted with a terrible, terrible disease. And bear in mind, it's a teen show, but like many teen shows, kids watch it. Yeah. Kids watch it. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was 300 children who watched it, believed they had the terrible disease. Oh, no. And they began to develop strange symptoms like coughing, even a fever, nausea, stuff like this, just from watching an episode on TV. 
And this is where it gets really weird, okay? This mystery virus then sort of transformed itself into a real virus to the point where several schools had to close to stop the outbreak. Oh my god. It's not really strange. Again, having to close down school. That's, Again. That's mental. Again. It's really, really, really crazy. Uh, which brings me on to my next story. What's the opposite of East? West. Where do you get your money from? The bank? West Bank. Here we go. <laughs> oh, the, the, that was so smooth. Thank you very much. <laughs> the West Bank fainting epidemic. Oh. I've never fainted, have you? Um, oh, I have once when I went into anaphylactic shock. Oh. But I don't remember it that well. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> On the account that I fainted. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But uh, what happened was a whopping 943 uh, Palestinian girls and women randomly fainted out of nowhere in the West Bank in 1983. And of course, okay, if you're to think about it, um, the neighbouring country, Israel, were blamed for it because obviously there's a lot of tension between the countries. There is. So they thought maybe that there was some sort of toxic gas being okay. spread. So like chemical... War- chemical, yeah, chemical, chemical warfare. warfare. Israel, in turn, blamed the Palestinians for poisoning their own people in order to frame them. So no one really knew what was going on. Okay. But then when medical tests were evaluated, it was discovered that around 20%, only 20% of the people who fainted actually had something sort of toxic in their systems. I think it was a gas. Uh, But that could have been either, you know, uh, like a gas leak from, you know, the the gas lines or something like Mm. that. They couldn't attribute it to anything warfare-like. Especially since only 20%. Only 20%. But then the 80 other percent actually fainted when they saw the others fainting. So four times as many people fainted as those who fainted due to an actual um, acting agent, which is really strange, isn't it? That is very strange. Very, very, very strange. So so the only time I've properly witnessed someone fainting in real yeah. life was during junior cert mocks and I'm yeah. not going to say who but someone fainted yeah. uh, during our junior cert yeah. mocks and uh, no one else fainted but the fact that these people you know saw people you know other uh, other people fainting and then fainted themselves that is very odd it that is, is very, very odd, odd isn't it mm. um, it's it's scary because it's almost as if your mind or your subconscious mind takes full control over your body mm, yeah. and you literally can't fight it. Oh, I don't like that. Which is very strange. I don't like that. <laughs> They're kind of all my stories about it, but what I believe to be happening is I think that the subconscious mind plays more of a role in our behavior from day to day than our conscious mind. Okay. I think that we are all sort of controlled or put into mental blocks by our subconscious mind. Okay. Just just for the listeners at home, Dara is currently drawing on a piece of paper trying to demonstrate what he means to me. <laughs> this is my subconscious mind at play. At play, okay. At play. okay. <laughs> so what I think happened was we have a panic button. In, in, our, in, in, in our brains, brain. maybe. Even if you go back to um, Stone Age. 
people couldn't really go to sleep on the top of trees. Why? Because you know when you sleep, you might wonder, why do I keep rolling around? Why do I wake up and I'm in a different position? Yes. Happens to me all the time. Mm. It's to check if the ground is level that you're sleeping on. Oh, wow. So that if you're on the top of a tree or somewhere really dangerous, that when you are shuffling about and can't get to sleep, it's to make sure that the ground is level. So it really is your subconscious mind controlling your actions. That could have some dire consequences. Dire consequences. <laughs> if you are in a tree. If you are in a tree, it's gonzo. <laughs> You're gone. Oh my God. But that's what I think. I think what happened was, um, there's a sort of theory called, I think it's group theory, or, you know, animals behaving like each other. Kind of like herd mentality. Herd mentality. Yeah. That's exactly it. Okay. But... I was watching an episode of uh, the zoo. The, the zoo, zoo, funnily enough, um, and they were talking about a monkey in Africa, uh, in a zoo, mm. that had gotten a little piece of grass and put it in her ear. In her ear. In her okay. ear. And all the other monkeys were looking at this monkey, saying, "Hang on here, what's going on?" She's monkeying around. She's she's mon- She's acting the monkey. <laughs> but funnily enough, uh, a few days went by and the other monkeys didn't really bother with her. But on the maybe sixth or seventh day, they all had this piece of grass in their ear. So it shows that humans and animals, well, we are animals, tend to do things that others do and copy each other. And also the 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 dancing the dancing, the dancing was yeah. after seven days people joined yeah in. yeah and the monkeys yeah imitating that yeah. or well after after a period of days around six or seven yeah really Jeez. strange so it just shows that as humans we're all way more impressionable than we let on than we let on yeah God. especially kids as you can see from the many mm. instances yeah no as as you went on uh, as I expected yeah. there were more and more kids involved and. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds a bit yeah. odd, but it's true because you you think that like a a fully developed mind wouldn't be as impressionable to those kind of things. Very true. Um, but yeah, that that is so. Those those instances of mass hysteria are so strange. Very strange. Very strange. I didn't. I genuinely didn't expect that there would be so many examples of it. I thought it was a very rare thing. No, but it's it seems... quite a quite a common thing, and I'm sure there are way more instances than just those that I read out. Yes, like, there was. One that I didn't get to, a Pokemon. Oh, wow. A Pokemon uh, incident of mass hysteria. Um, <laughs> Pokemon Go. <laughs> very very strange. Could have been Pokemon Go. Even that could be an incident of mass hysteria where yeah. everyone is downloading it. Mm. But I'd more attribute that to social pressure, maybe. Okay, okay. But there are loads of different incidents. So it's like there's the Blackburn fainting incident Schwabs. where yeah, a load of kids, yeah. not more, more kids, started fainting in school. So there's loads and loads of um, examples of mass hysteria. Gee whiz. I just, I actually hope that I never experience it. I know that maybe laughing for a prolonged amount of time sounds like fun, but for, it was 16 days if I recall yeah. correctly, that some people were laughing for. And that that's a silly amount of time. Like you properly wouldn't be able to eat, you wouldn't be able to drink, you, you you physically wouldn't be able to do most things whilst laughing. Like 
I I know from laughing at the dinner table with my family and stuff like that, nothing gets eaten for a solid yeah, yeah, couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, so, you know, you kind of, you laugh it out, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, you get tired, as you say, analyze the joke, you stop laughing. Yeah. But the fact that they continued and were unable to do things, and people died, is, yeah. it's just incredible. Very strange. Very strange. Well... Thank you very much, Dar. No that, problem That was at all, extremely really. interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Brilliant. I hope our listeners at home enjoyed it as well. Um, just, just one last thing before we leave off on this topic. If we were going to kind of create our own <laughs> mass hysteria, what, what would we do? Because we, we have people listening now. We do. Kind of like the television program in Portugal, was it? Yeah. Uh, we, we, we have some impressionable people. <laughs> we can, should we start laughing? We can't, they can't really see us dancing. Um, writhing in pain sounds a bit too dark. <laughs> so what would you have our listeners do to try and incite some mass hysteria? <laughs> and now, <laughs> the ring of fire. Yeah. <laughs> Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, 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 and the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire, the ring of fire I went down, 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 and the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire, the ring of fire The taste of love is sweet When hearts like ours meet I fell for you like a child But the fire went wild I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire The ring of fire The ring of fire That was The Ring of Fire by the late Johnny Cash. You're listening to Rory and Dara's Research and Development. On Flirt FM 
101.3. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, so I have the second topic of today's show, Dara. But I'm afraid for the listeners at home, it's going to have to be broken into two parts because it is a very long uh, topic and it's the entire life of Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. The infamous outlaw of the Wild West. <laughs> and why was he so infamous? Because uh, he had the word kid in his name. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair no, enough. He, he actually, what's quite peculiar about his story is that he does kill quite a few people, but he wasn't the most rampaging monster um, in all the West. But I think it's because he had such charisma and that the people he killed weren't necessarily good people. And the fact that there, he gets embroiled in a thing called the Lincoln County War that really cements his tale as a, a, a just amazing story. So he had a swagger. He did. He had a, a swagger. swagger. He had a, an X Factor. Ex- he has the X Factor, as Louis Walsh would say. <laughs> he has the X Factor. Actually, funny thing about Louis Walsh. Do you remember, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to say his name on air, but do you remember um, Dylan, Tall Dylan from Yates? Yes. Tall Dylan, his county parish is where Louis Walsh is from. Oh, yes. And he used to say that Louis Walsh's brother would come uh, to his parish matches and act like the manager, even though he oh, wasn't the manager. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's, it's in the family. Exactly, exactly. So I, I always thought that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to talk about Billy the Kid. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> See, let's go about his early years, Dara. <laughs> Booyakasha. So, Billy the Kid's real name his, uh, his, his name that's on his birth certificate, is Henry McCarty. And he was born to Catherine, Devon, and Patrick McCarty in 1859. A long time ago. A long time ago. But not in a galaxy far, far away. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> on either the 17th of September or the 23rd of November. So what you're telling me is he was born twice. <laughs> Just like Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. <laughs> But no, actually, he wasn't born twice. It's just that the dates are disputed by historians uh, because on in late November, it's recorded that he was baptised, but then there is a birth certificate that was never verified that kind of says that he was born on the 17th of September. Uh, yeah. And also with his younger brother, Joseph, being born, they did a bit of maths and... It doesn't make a lot of sense that he would have been born in September. The equations didn't balance. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Financial maths. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them a go later. <laughs> Nothing a bit of simultaneous can solve, huh? Exactly, exactly. But um, but what is agreed upon by all historians is that he was born on in 1859 in New York City. Which is, you know, he's a New Yorker. 1859, New York, New York City. City. Got that. Sadly... Billy the Kid's father, Patrick, died when he was very young from unknown causes, which led to his mother, Catherine, uh, moving with her entire family, uh, his brother, Joseph McCarty, Billy the Kid's brother, Joseph McCarty, and Henry McCarty, Billy the Kid, to a place called Indianapolis in Indiana, where she met and subsequently fell in love with William Henry Harrison Antrim. So, (laughs) I'm getting flashbacks. Oh. I'm here in Indiana. 
Indiana. And I'm here in Harrison. Oh! Oh! And I'm here in Cowboys. Dun dun dun! Cowboy hat! Indiana Jones! <laughs> dun dun dun! <laughs> it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Billy the Kid is the. Oh my god, what's the. Inf- uh, uh... The famous Indiana Jones. No, what's it called? The. The cowboy. The influences. No, what's it called? The. the... What the White Rabbit was to James Bond. Oh, the. <laughs> The, the the inspiration. inspiration that's the word oh my god that was horrendous oh uh, if people haven't tuned off by that stage, this stage that's oh my god but he, i'm not saying that billy the kid is the inspiration for indiana jones but if he is it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me but just going back to billy the kid from indiana jones um much like indiana jones in the movies um Billy the Kid's family moved around and never really settled anywhere. So uh, the McCarty family moved with um, William Antrim, uh, as Harrison is his name, uh, <laughs> to Wichita, Kansas. Wichita. Wichita. In 1870. Uh, the family did not stay here long and moved again to Santa Fe in New Mexico, where Catherine McCarty and William Antrim got married on March 1st, 1873. Happy, happy, happy. Happy, happy days. Happy days. Monday, Tuesday. Happy days. <laughs> March 1st, 1873. Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> but after a few weeks of marriage, the McCarty Antrim clan moved once again, again off on the road, to Silver City, New Mexico. That sounds cool. It does sound That sounds cool. very cool. And they moved there because, much like its name, uh, there was a lot of gold in it. <laughs> I'm sorry to say they are silvery. <laughs> ah, close, close. Um, but shortly after this move, things took a turn for a worse, for the worse, uh, for the, the kind of McCarthy Antrim clan, as Catherine died of tuberculosis on September 16th, 1874, leaving Henry, Billy the Kid, and his brother, Joseph, heartbroken. But sadly, their woes did not end here, as William Antrim, their stepfather, abandoned the family, leaving both boys orphaned. <laughs> Henry was the older of the two, but he was only 15 years old. He was only 15. So, orphaned, left on his own, with his brother to care in for. In strange surroundings. In strange surroundings that he'd never been to before. In Silver City. In Silver City. Ooh, Silver City. <laughs> it just sounds yeah, so cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. cool. But, because he was so desperate, this led... Naturally. Well, I wouldn't say naturally. It probably isn't people's first thought. Or is mm. it people's? This is a good question about morality. Yeah. When you're on hard times, let's say you're completely orphaned and abandoned, would, you, would your primary focus go straight towards crime? Or would you think of alternatives to crime first? Because Billy the Kid, you know, Henry McCarty goes straight for crime. What would, well, kind of. I'll, well, I'll describe how he Would there have been it. as many opportunities back then to make money? Not really. He could have found employment with n- little to no education. Probably in the mining industry exactly. or something. Exactly. He could have struck it big yeah. with his brother Joseph. Yeah. You know, mining operation, got a lot of silver. But this isn't what Billy the Kid does. No. But instead, he decides to look for employment. But he doesn't look for employment out of, you know, kind of the goodness of his heart. He, he, has a mind, he has a plan and focus. But he searched for a, job, for a job, and he got a job, 
in a boarding house owned by Sarah Brown, and she gave him a room and food in exchange for work. So you're thinking, all right. Fair deal. Doing it by the books. Good man. Good man, Billy. Above the table, above the table. Good man, Billy. But this didn't last for long there. This did not last for long. As on the 16th of September, 1875, Billy the Kid was caught stealing food from the kitchens. Yeah, you got a bit too greedy, a bit too big for his <laughs> Middle of the night, he went down and got a few cookies, did he, from the fridge? Oh, a bit more than that. He was trying to, he was trying to steal, I think it was um, a full roast, uh, either a pig on a spit or um, beef, a, a full thing Nothing, of beef. I that's can't... not something you can put in your pocket, is no, it? No, and I don't know what he was kind of planning to do with it, because you can't really hide that in your room. No. It's either going to start smelling, or it's, you're just going to eat it all. In yeah. one night. Yeah. I'm not going to eat it in one night. No. Anyway, he's caught by Miss Sarah Brown. Lovely woman. She wasn't taking any of it from Billy the Kid. She has morals. She has morals. She has standards. Exactly. And Billy, you didn't meet those standards. And for that reason, you're out. Out you go, Billy. <laughs> out you go. <laughs> so Billy, once again, desperate for food and money. And he meets a boy named George Schaefer. And they decided to rob a small Chinese laundry. Bad Schaefer. Bad Schaefer. Bad man. A bad influence. Bad influence. Bad influence this boy, George Schaefer. And so they robbed these Chinese laundries. I won't get too much into it, but sadly, when Chinese immigrants were uh, coming to America around this time period, they were forced into taking jobs in these laundries because there were laws that were put in place to persecute them. So laundries all over the United States at this stage were called Chinese laundries. So the, the duo stole clothing and two pistols from this Chinese laundry, but were subsequently caught and jailed. But, as we'll begin to see a pattern emerging in Billy the Kid's story, he did not stay uh, in jail for long, and he escaped, uh, becoming a fugitive Ooh, in the process. So this is his life of crime. It has begun. It has begun. <laughs> Batman will chase him till his dying yeah. days. <laughs> oh, gosh. So McCarty tracked down his stepfather, William Antrim, and decided to stay with him, which, you know, isn't a bad idea for a man who, well, for a boy who's gone on the run. He had found the one person you know other than your brother who you've abandoned at this stage for a life of crime, and he began staying with William. But obviously, he still held some grudges against William. Naturally enough. Exactly. You abandoned myself and my brother to fend for ourselves. You're, you're, you're a little bit of a dumb bumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's his name? Billy. I was about to call Willie the Kid. Jimmy, 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 <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy the Wid. Jimmy the Wid. <laughs> Billy the Kid decided to steal guns and clothing from William Antrim. Uh, but Antrim caught him and threw him out in the streets and said, Go get. You're gone. And this was the last time the duo would meet. They'd never meet again uh, until Billy or Antrim die, you know. And so after leaving, Ant <laughs> after leaving Antrim, Billy the Kid travelled to the southeastern territory of Arizona, uh, where he was hired as a ranch hand on the Sierra Bonita Ranch. Wow, so mm. as far as I know, in America, just going down another tangent, I'd love to do a, a piece on, I think it's, Starlight Ranch. Starlight Ranch, okay. It's a ranch where a lot of strange occurrences have Occurred. happened. <laughs> With a name like Starlight Ranch, though, that, that is a very mysterious kind of very name. Very mysterious. But yeah, the ranches, they're massive. 
Oh, they're huge, absolutely massive, like acres and acres of land for horses and cattle to roam free. But they're nothing compared to the ones in Australia. Oh, don't. There's one in Australia the size of Belgium. Gee whiz. Size of Belgium. Gee whiz. Two million cows. I used to have a friend called Peter, Peter Dinkley, Peter Dunkley, um, when I lived over in the Middle East. And his family moved home. And basically, they started telling um, the stories about the acreage they were about to inherit because his grandfather died so yeah. his father was moving home to take over the ranch. And even though he was a, an engineer for a water company, his father, which is quite odd, you know, from, you know, being an engineer going yeah, yeah. and becoming a, you know, the, the owner of a ranch. But anyway, they were saying, and it was like hundreds and hundreds of acreage. So I, I can completely understand yeah. that there's one the size wow. of Belgium. But yes, so anyway, Sierra Bonita Ranch is where Billy the Kid's on. So... It's a big ranch anyway, um, and he starts earning a living for himself, but can't kick his old habits and begins to gamble all his money away. And whilst working on the ranch, he meets a man called John R. McKee, McKay, 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 a criminal who'd been discharged from the U.S. Cavalry. Oh, so, so he went in to fight for his country, and he ends up fighting against them. Exactly, fighting his demons. Because uh, I'd say alcoholism, you know, kind of the need to gamble, you know, the thirst for more money mm. kind of obviously took a hold of him, got a grip of poor old John and dragged him down to the level of a criminal. Um, so the two men, Billy the Kid and John uh, McKay, uh, became friends and left their jobs on the ranch. Uh, they decided to steal horses from local soldiers and sell them on to the ranch and um, but during this time, uh, McCarty began to be known as Kid Antrim. Kid Antrim, which okay. is the beginning, you know, the, the start of yes. his, his, his Billy. name, Billy. Exactly. It it slowly would develop into Billy the Kid, um, and that that actually comes much later on when he he robbed. Um, I don't think it's Chinese laundry, but he ro- he robbed another shop uh, and murdered the store owner. And in the newspaper article, he was referred to as Billy the Kid. So that's actually where his full name comes from. And then he was Indiana Jones. Exactly, after afterwards, yeah. yes, yes. That makes sense. In the, in the 1980s, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got dubbed Indiana Jones. Exactly. So uh, where was I? He has just left the ranch and he is selling the horses. Um, and he is called Kid Antrim. So McCarty would take his first life. So he murdered his first, you know, human. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on August 17th, 1877, at a saloon in the village of Benita, nearby uh, the ranch where he used to work. Um, and the man he killed was called Francis P. Windy Cahill, the village's blacksmith. So blacksmiths were still around. And they still are, but not to the same not, extent. Not the same, same um, prominence as they were. Exactly, exactly. And they got into an argument um, because reportedly Cahill had bullied... Billy the Kid, and he used to call him Pimp on numerous occasions. Um, But this time, when Francis called Billy the Kid a pimp, Billy retorted by calling him a son of a female dog. That's very woof. (laughs) That's awful. That's awful. That is awful. (laughs) But very good at the same time. Oh my god, that's a good joke. You like I like that, that one. Didn't I, you? I really did. That that oh, tickled me. <laughs> but um, Cattle didn't take it as well as I did. There, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Cattle threw Billy the Kid to the floor, 
and the two began struggling for Billy's revolver. So they're fighting on the floor, they're punching each other, they're scraping each other, they're grabbing each other in awkward positions and pulling them down, kind of like jujitsu, you know. <laughs> Brazilian jujitsu. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but McCarthy, the kid, managed to grab the revolver and shot Cahill in his chest, mortally wounding him and killing him. Witnesses say that Billy had no choice but to turn his gun on Cahill. Um, you know, self-defense. Self-defense, basically. So Billy fled, but returned to the town a few days later and was apprehended by the local justice of peace, Miles Wood. Um, McCarty was held in Camp Grant in a guardhouse. But, much like he does on numerous occasions throughout his career, he... Escape. <laughs> uh, before law enforcement could arrive properly to chain him down, yeah. put him in a proper jail cell. Um, McCarty stole a horse and fled into the Arizona Territory, um, but his final destination was New Mexico. Um, however, on his journey, he was ambushed by a group of Native Americans, and they took his horse from him, leaving him to walk many miles to the nearest settlement. And on the topic of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, who did Billy the Kid meet at Fort Stanton when he arrived after his horse got stolen? John Jones. How did you know, Daryl? Oh my gosh. John Jones. Uh, by namesake, not the same person, no. obviously. No, he came, he came back. He came back. He exited the octagon. Oh. Straight into the Wild West. <laughs> so John Jones was a friend of Billy the Kid, and he got his wife, or his wife offered, sorry, I should say, um, to nurse Billy the Kid back to health, um, where, after regaining his health, Billy joined a band of rustlers who raided herds owned by a cattle magnate in Lincoln County. And this is where Billy the Kid would become embroiled in the Lincoln County War. Ooh. Now, Dara, when I say researching this was a doozy, I mean it. It is incredible. I love this. And the, you know, the end of the Lincoln County War is where I'm going to end today's episode on. Yes, yes. Uh, because I think it's a good place to end off. And from the end of the Lincoln County War to the end of uh, Billy Kid's life is equally, <laughs> yes, is equally as interesting as the Lincoln County War itself. But I don't think I would have done it justice if I just had half an hour to talk on this uh, for his entire life. Very understandable. So here is the Lincoln County War. Now there are a lot of names, but I'm going to try and help you stay on track. I've coloured each name, either blue... As you can see. As, as you can see. No, <laughs> this is where I'm going I'm to get you. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out a name. Yeah. I'm going to show it to you. And I'm going to tell the audience what colour it is when yeah. I read it out. And this is going to help them keep on track. So McCarty retired from his band of rustlers after arriving properly in Lincoln County, realising that there was more money to be made working as a cowboy for an Englishman called John Henry Turnstile. Blue. <laughs> so the good guys in this tale are going to be blue, as Dara so eloquently <laughs> said. So Tunstall Blue. And his business partner and lawyer... Blue. Alexander McSween... Oh, blue. <laughs> ...were opponents of an alliance formed by Irish-American businessmen Lawrence Murphy... Red. ...James Dolan... Red. ...and John Riley. Red. <laughs> in February 1878... Alexander McSween Blue. owed $8,000 to Dolan Red. <laughs> who obtained a court order and asked Lincoln County Sheriff William J. Brady Red. to attach nearly 4 
$250,000 worth of Tunstall's blue property and livestock. So this, this man says, all right, he owes me 8,000. I want you, the government, to say that I can legally take $40,000 worth of property. Wow. I, to put this in perspective, that's back then is a huge amount of money. Like, even still, that even would so, be a yeah, lot, but well, it back is. Then but it's... back then, it's millions. Like the equivalent today would be millions. Like forty thousand. Like if I'm not, you or I <laughs> earned forty thousand, we'd be well chuffed. Yeah. But if we earned forty thousand back then, we would be living it up in mansions. It would it, insane insanity. This amount of money. So Tunstall, blue, put McCarty, blue, in charge of nine prime horses and told him to relocate them to his personal ranch for safekeeping. You know, kind of hiding them away because he knew something was up. Something was up indeed. And simultaneously, Sheriff William J. Brady Red organised for a large posse to seize Tunstall's cattle. Blue. This set in motion the events that would lead to the Lincoln War. Ooh. So it's kicking off now, Dara. It's all getting... All the sides are drawing their lines in the sand and they're, they're arming. They're getting themselves ready. So on February 18th, 1878, Tunstall Blue. learned of the posse's presence on his land and rode out to intervene. During the encounter, one member of the posse shot Tunstall Blue. in the chest, knocking him off his horse. Another posse member took Tunstall's gun and uh, took Tunstall's gun, so picked the poor picked wounded him. man yeah. off the uh, gun off the ground and killed him with a shot to the back of his head. No Very mercy. Bad. No mercy. Cold blood. After Turnstall was killed, McCarty, Blue, Billy the Kid, was uh, swore that he would avenge him and promised to bring justice to Sheriff Brady Red. and those in his posse. After he attained a murder warrant from Lincoln County's uh, Justice of Peace, John B. Wilson, Blue, he began his pursuit of Sheriff Brady. So this guy basically goes on. He's like, he murdered someone in cold blood. He might be a policeman, you know, basically the equivalent. But I'm going to kill him. And the government gave him permission to do so. So both sides now have, you know, warrants on each other, basically. And at this stage, Billy the Kid was kind of um, a bad guy seen by the law because he'd just taken nine prime horses, uh, which he wasn't allowed to kind do. Kind of like John Wick. Yes, exactly. Oh, exactly like John Wick. It's a, it's a revenge story yeah. anyway. Um, so McCarty's attempt to capture Sheriff Brady... Red resulted in his arrest and he was thrown into jail but not for long mccarty's friend deputy u.s marshal robert vitamin uh, uh, and a detachment of soldiers captured sheriff brady's jail guards Red. and released billy the kid blue whilst mccarty billy the kid had been imprisoned a group of vigilantes uh, vigilantes uh, who wished to bring sheriff brady Red. to justice had formed a posse known as the Lincoln County Regulators. In blue. These were kind of like the Avengers. The like Avengers. These were the original yeah. Avengers. Like, how cool is that? Like, I'm just getting giddy thinking about it. These men are like, you killed our boss. Now we're going to kill you. The law might be on your side, but we've got guns. And we've got blue. <laughs> and we've got blue. We are coloured in blue. So once free, uh, Billy the Kid joined the Lincoln County Regulators. On March 9th, the Lincoln County Regulators Blue. captured Frank Baker Red. and William Morton, Red. both of whom were accused of killing Tunstall. Blue. Baker and Morton yeah, they were, both red. Uh, were taken alive 
initially to stand trial for the crimes, but were killed while allegedly trying to escape. Mm. Now, they're, they're, you know, this is kind of uh, shrouded, shrouded in mystery because there's no record of them actually trying to escape. They just wind up dead. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's said that the Lincoln County regulators, you know, took a leaf out of their book and killed them. So later, on April 1st, the Lincoln County regulators Ooh. ambushed Sheriff Brady yeah, Brad. and his deputies. McCarty, uh, play, uh, Playboy of the Western World, Playboy I was the Western World yeah. <laughs> Billy the Kid, was wounded in his thigh during the battle. However, he came out better from the fight than Sheriff Brady Red. and Deputy Sheriff George W. Hindman Red. as they were both killed in the ensuing fight. So there you go. They got Sheriff Brady, but the war wasn't over yet. No. Another fight broke out between the two sides on April 4th, 1878, and two more deputies were killed in the skirmish. Warrants were issued for several participants on both sides for murder, and McCarty and two others were charged with killing three men. So, once again, he now has another murder on his hands. Basically, under the eyes of the law, he now has four murders, you know, people's blood on their hands. This leads to the Battle of Lincoln. The, the, the boiling point of this war, of this Lincoln County War. Both sides meet, and this is the battle. So on the night of Sunday, July 14th, I was about to say 4th, 14th, 1878, the Lincoln County nope. regulators, nope. Uh, now an army of over 50 men, went into Lincoln Town and positioned themselves among several buildings throughout the town. Billy the Kid was stationed at the McSween residence, nope. along with eight or nine more men. So if you remember, McSween was the lawyer yes. who um, they were working for. Another group stationed themselves on top of the saloon opposite uh, the uh, McSween residence. So on Tuesday, July 16th, two days later, the newly appointed sheriff, George Pepin, yeah, right. sent sharpshooters to kill the defenders at the McSween residence and the saloon. Pepin's men Red. retreated. After one of their snipers, Charles Crawford, yeah, was killed. <laughs> this sparked Pepin to send a request for assistance from the U.S. Army. Red. That was stationed at Fort Stanton nearby. And if you recall, Fort Stanton was where Billy the Kid was held in a guardhouse. So everything's tying back in. Everything up until this point in Billy the Kid's life has led up to this. There's the Battle of Lincoln. So at first, Pepin's requests were initially... Uh, Pepin's requests for uh, help were initially denied, but, were later, uh, but later a regiment of troops arrived in Lincoln, turning the tide of the battle in favour of Pepin's faction. Red. The Lincoln Rangers did not stand down, and a shooting war broke out on Friday, July 19th. McSween's supporters no. uh, gathered inside his house. When Buck Powell and Deputy Sheriff Jack Long Both red. set fire to the building. So they're trying to burn them out now by destroying public property. Uh, the, occupant, uh, the occupants began shooting. And McCarty, play, uh, Billy the Kid, and the other men fled, to the uh, fled the building when all the rooms but one were burning. During the, uh, during the confusion, Alexander McSween, Blue. the lawyer, yep, uh, was shot and killed by Robert W. Beckwith. Red. Who was then shot and killed by Billy the Kid. Tally the numbers, Dara. How many are killed? Five. On Billy the Kid's hands. So the Lincoln Rangers did not stand down. Oh, sorry. I'm reading the same bit. I'm reading. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. So this kind of brought an end to the Battle of Lincoln. And the Lincoln County Regulators are on the run. Many of them died in the ensuing battle. It was awful for them. 
But some say they were on the right side of the law. Yeah. The sheriff shot, or his posse did, shot a man in cold blood. Yeah. And they were merely avenging their fallen employer. Comrade. Their fallen comrade. So that kind of concludes this segment of Billy the Kid's life. You'll have to find out next time. Next time. Is he... Did he live or did he die? Ooh. Well, everyone dies in the end. That's the sad thing, Darren. That's the sad truth. Still listening. (laughs) But it's really cool. And I think the fact that they formed an army of nearly 40 to 50 men was really cool. And just just showed how how cool Baby the Kid was and how charismatic he was. That he could kind of gather these groups. Even even though he wasn't the, the leader of the Lincoln County Regulators. It is said that he managed to persuade a lot more people to join in their cause. Um, and it led to them having a final standoff with the army, which is very cool. So yeah, that is the end of today's episode. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So have I, Rory. It's been brilliant. You've been listening to Rory and Dara's research and development on Flirt FM 101.3. Uh, you can listen. We now have our scheduled programs on Tuesday at 5 o'clock and Saturday at who I believe. We'll have to double check that one. We'll edit that bit out if I'm incorrect. (laughs) Good night and God bless. (laughs) 